Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. Welcome, friends. Good to be with you. I'm glad you're watching this or listening to this, and we are continuing in our series in the book of Revelation. And uh, why, are, why are we studying Revelation? Why are we going through this book? And why am I encouraging you to read it on your own? Read it straight through if you have the time. I would encourage you to do that. Well, we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed, or another word is inspired, that, that the Bible is not just any other book, but it's, it's God's collect, collection of writings uh, that, that teach us and encourage us, instruct us, deepen us, correct us, prepare us to be God's people in our life. And Jesus taught us to listen to and obey the scriptures, to, to build our life upon them as a foundation, like a wise man builds his house upon a foundation or a rock. And so the scriptures are our foundation, our guide, our, our source of wisdom, all of them, even the hard ones, right? They have something to tell us. Uh, and so I believe as the preacher that's called to serve this congregation that, that we need to hear God's vision, God's truth. It's good for our correction when we've gotten off the path as individuals or families or as a nation or as a community. It, it's good for our correction. It's also good for our, our encouragement when we feel uh, worn down by things in our life or things in the world around us. And so we need, we need God's, God's special word. And we need this book, Revelation. We need to be overwhelmed by its beautiful visions of God, like the ones we've been hearing about at God in the throne room and the lion that is the lamb. We need to be overwhelmed by the beautiful visions of God. Right? We need the, the reverent worship that we see and hear about in Revelation to to inspire us, encourage us, challenge us if we're not reverently, deeply worshiping. We need the dramatic events that we are going to, to see and hear about unfolding in Revelation because we need the urgency that they give us. As we hear and see the, the dramatic events of Revelation, God, Spirit, I pray, will deepen a sense of urgency to help us live out the Lord Jesus' teachings in our life, to love God uh, with all that we are, to love our neighbor as ourself in a world that sometimes feels like it is falling apart. So we need to hear these dramatic events to have the urgency to live as God taught us to live. And, and, and we need to hear these dramatic events too as warnings that if we, if we don't live in God's ways, uh, we, sh- we should. We should turn to Him. We should repent. If we've been living selfishly, if we've been living with ourselves at the center rather than God at the center, if we've been using God uh, or His church in vain, right? If we've been using God and His, His stuff, His blessings for our own mission rather than living for Christ's mission as His follower, if, if God's a part of our life instead of us being a part of God's life, Revelation should shake us to the core and shake those things up and recenter us on God and not on self because it shows us that, that a life lived for self and selfishness in this world, which is so easy to fall into, is a life that will fall apart and be part of the brokenness of this world. But instead, we should be encouraged that God is working a good plan in the midst of this broken humanity that we live in and God will overcome all evil and injustice, no matter how bad it seems to get. 
This is why we're reading and studying Revelation. We need the revelation, right? To remember who we are. As songwriter uh, Charlie Peacock, Christian songwriter, wrote one of his songs, Cheer Up Church, he says this, Cheer up, church. You're worse off than you think. Cheer up, church. You're standing at the brink. Don't despair. Don't fear. Grace is near. Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer, our author and our perfecter. You alone should we reverently worship. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. I have prepared, but only you are able to really bring your word here today. Help us to hear. Pray for the people, Lord. I pray for the people that are listening. I pray that they would pray for themselves to hear your word, to turn to you, to obey it deeply. I pray that they would pray for me as a preacher and other preachers, that we would rightly declare your word, Lord, that your church would faithfully seek to follow you, obey you, represent you as your priests in this world, sharing the good news of Jesus the Lamb with the people of this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is going on here? A review of what is going on uh, in Revelation. A historical, just quick review is Jesus' movement after his, his perfect life, his sacrificial death on the cross, his, his resurrection from the dead, his, his teaching and preparation of his church, and then his ascension into heaven. He is, now, he is now not on earth, but his followers are prepared and ready to share the good news of Jesus and how to come into relationship with God, to be forgiven of sins, to be part of the, the new kingdom of God on earth. And so the kingdom of God is spreading throughout the world. And people like John the Apostle had been working uh, for Jesus' mission now for decades and, and sharing the good news of Jesus and teaching people to obey his teachings. And, and John had seen countless people convert to that. Now, there's still a minority group, a small portion of the Roman population, but they're growing and they're spreading and they're becoming a pest in some ways to Rome, the empire. And so the governor and, and the emperor have put John on an island called Patmos because of his ministry that's had such influence. Uh, uh, the, the ministry of Jesus has had such influence. And, and so they, they, got, they thought they got rid of him by putting him on an island. But instead, he, he has some time there and he receives this vision uh, and he first gives it to the seven churches of Asia Minor uh, that he would have had connection with, that, and he gives th- this message, then of course goes to the larger church, uh, but, but that's some historical background. Personally, for John, this is, this is not John sitting around and saying, how can I write a, a really creative fiction book? Personally, for John, this is a, a deep Uh, powerful spiritual vision that he's given through the Holy Spirit, uh, through the Lord speaking to him, okay? Now, in a congregational way, in a congregational way, this this message and vision that John receives is given to actual real churches, like like I serve an actual real church, right? He, he, he's giving this, this vision and the seven messages to seven churches. Um, So there are these real churches that, that, that first hear this and then they are the first local churches that hear it as it is then passed down through the centuries 
And the types of things that we've heard about so far in the book are like a vision of the throne room of heaven in chapter 4, right? An, an opening up of a glimpse of the throne room of heaven with God at the center, not with humans at the center, but with God at the, the center, right? And worship happening there, just a beautiful scene in all its colors and and God is worthy to be worshipped, and crowns are being thrown down, and God is being worshipped. We also hear about a, a scroll. There's a revealing of a special scroll that has seven seals, and no one is worthy to open these seals or break the seals, except the Lion of Judah, who is also the, the lamb that was slain. The lamb that was slain that lo- looks like it had been killed, but is living, it's standing. It's the Lord Jesus. He can open the seals that will show us the unfolding of history, the things uh, that are to happen. He can do that. Uh, Now, we're going to see, that's where we're at. Revelation 6 is where the seals begin to be opened. They're going to describe some some tough things that happen, will happen, and continue to happen in human history and in the world. So let's hear from the word of God, Revelation chapter 6. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out, of, and out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people could slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand, And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked and behold a pale horse and its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. 
than the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? This is the word of the Lord. This is the revelation given to John and to the church. So how are we to receive this vision? First I say, with faith. With faith, and maybe a bit of trembling. <laughs> trembling, that is, humility. With faith, believing that there is there is truth here uh, that we need to hear. So come to it um, laying down our, our modern skepticism and come saying uh, out of a relationship, a trusting relationship with the Lord, Lord, I believe you have truth here for us today. Come here with humility and not see what you want to see or see your interpretation, but come saying, Lord, I want how you see this. You know, I think um, one of the things that's been done to Revelation is, is we over-understand it. <laughs> Instead of trembling at it and letting us teach it, we kind of, we disassemble it and understand each piece and we say this means that when some of it should first cause us to tremble and just cause us to trust the Lord more, cause us to worship more, cause us to be more humble. So first, come at it with faith and humility. Be humbled by it. If you're overwhelmed as you read it, don't understand some of it, that's okay. That's, in fact, maybe the right place to be. Good. Yeah. Somebody reads it and they come to me and say, oh, I understand it perfectly. In fact, you don't understand it, right? Because I understand it so good. Hey, I willingly admit this is something we, I'm the student of it. The word, the scripture is our teacher. We come to it with faith, expecting to receive. Come to it with humility. Come to it and see it as a gift. Revelation is not the part of the Bible that is a burden. Revelation, along with the rest of God's written word, is a gift from the Lord to the church. And, and it is specifically given to forewarn us and to prepare us and to call us to repentance and to obedience and to perseverance, to faithfulness. So see it as a gift, not as a curse or a burden. No, no. See it with faith. See it as a gift. Now, when, when are we to see this? Uh, vision given. When is this to be applied? I believe that what we're he hearing in these six seals is, is happening throughout the age that we are in, the age after the ascension of Jesus to heaven and, and into the future until Christ returns. Now, there are good uh, Christians who disagree with me on that, but that is how I see it, right? And so the things that are happening in the six seals are things that have happened in selfish, broken humanity and will continue to happen until Christ returns. So it is given uh, for us now and is given for us for the future and it, and it helps us explain and understand some of the brokenness of human history in the past. Who is it given to? Who is it given to? It's, it, it's first given as a gift for the church to understand uh, our, our God's plan and what is to come. But this, these kind of things that, that happen in all six of the seals happen to all cultures, all nations. All individuals can be selfish and broken and have the type of things that are described in seal six, uh, the six seals, right? Uh, so 
Also, we see that it's given to the church to tell us that there are servants of the church, servants of Christ who are obedient to Christ, who, who have died, and, and those who will suffer and die in the future for serving Christ. In fact, Jesus never tells the church that we will be freed from this suffering. I don't see that in the New Testament. I don't see that in the book of Revelation where he says we'll be freed from that. Indeed, if we look at Jesus' ministry, he tells us that we will need to be taking up our cross. He, he says to the disciples, if anyone should come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's Matthew 16, 24. Jesus says in John 16, 33, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He doesn't say uh, there that you will have tribulation, but you'll be taken out of the tribulation. He says you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, compared to eternity, it's just going to be for a little while, right? And each of our lives is really just a little while compared to the great span of eternity, but we will have tribulation. 1 Peter 2.21 says this, 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He is our example of suffering. He suffered the, the greatest imaginable spiritual and emotional suffering a person could face, and physical suffering along with that on the cross. And the scriptures say, you should also follow in his footsteps. Jesus himself said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So revelation is not given as a guide for how we are to escape future suffering. That's not the purpose of this chapter and the other chapters coming through, like chapter 16. It's not given us as a guide for what's going to happen to those other people. No, it's revealing to us God knows the brokenness of human history, what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. But church, we need to know that God knows and is in control and that through all of it, we are not forsaken. God is working his plan. He's allowing this to unfold. He's breaking the seals. Where is all of this to happen? Well, it's to happen throughout the earth. And in fact, in many places right now, these types of things are happening. Or in many places in history, they have happened. And we... We should know that, that many have taken great comfort in this book because as they've lived through terrible civil wars or as they've lived through terrible dictators that are, that are splitting up their family or, or imprisoning people or killing people, as they've lived through famines and atrocities of different types, they, they, they see in this book that Jesus forewarned his people and that he is still with us even as we go through these things. Now, why? Why? Why would God allow this? Because it, the, the scriptures tell us here that the Lamb is allowing this to happen. What is He allowing to happen? He's allowing the consequences of human-centered selfishness to unfold. Right? Romans 1 tells us that God will allow this. And He allows the, the consequences of human-centered living to unfold. The same mistake made in the Garden of Eden that we think we can know better than God has continued to happen throughout eternity, that we can define what is good and evil. And, and, and instead of leaning on God and trusting in Him, we go our own way. And so the Lamb opens these seals and, and these events are told to us, particularly the day of the great wrath that is coming, the Lamb's wrath. Because God wants us to not be fooled and have you know, blinders over our eyes and think that we are getting better as humans on our own. 
Are we achieving more in technology? Are we, are we maybe accumulating more wealth? Are we reducing infant mortality? Are we conquering some of our diseases? Are we able to grow more food? Yeah, there's some things that are just amazing that God has blessed humanity to be able to do. But God is saying, do not buy into the myth of progress that the human soul is getting better on its own. We are not getting better on our own. We are not better than the ancient people. We can literally blow up the earth multiple times over. The ancients could not do that, right? We have just as many people in slavery now in different forms of one or another than, than has happened in the human past. We make this idea of human progress and human peace happening when we are still at war and we're always just a breath away from another world war, it seems. The myth of progress is simply not historically true. It's not presently true. It was not true in the past. It's arrogant, and God is being realistic with us that it's not happening. In fact, because the soul is not getting better and we keep believing the lie that we are, we kind of just keep piling our mistakes upon mistakes and we get we get more able to destroy each other and hurt each other. We increase the, the weapons of war and destruction. We, we make economies that aren't really good for loving and helping and healing people. We make them just for selfish profit and gain. We as humanity are only getting worse over time. And the church must hear this and we must, we must persist and persevere and witness in the midst of it because we're not being rescued out of it because that's not God's point. He wants us to be our witnesses in the midst of it, being willing to suffer as he suffered for us, being willing to carry our cross as he told us to do, even being willing to be martyred when that is what has to happen because we are his people, we are his priests, we are part of his kingdom to share the good news that in the midst of a world falling apart, there is still true hope that God has, has salvation through Jesus Christ in the midst of whatever you're going through. So Christian pers Christians persevere in the trials to be the light in the darkness while we are yet here. So how, do we, how can we see these six seals? Well, some will see them just independently as different types of suffering that humans can bring on themselves, whether it's war or disease or what have you. We can see them as stages of these types of things from one through six that happen. But I see them, uh, I, I fall under the interpretation that they are types of evil that we can do uh, as humans to one another uh, that, that build on each other. And, and I guess I, I believe in what's called the semi-chronological view, or that's my term for it, where, where as we do these types of things to one another in our families, our communities, our nations, it gets worse to, until we see what we see in, in the sixth seal where it's very bad and we have this cumulative impact of the sin of humanity and our consequences are evil uh, from each generation builds on one another. Like each time we have a world war, we don't forget the weapons we invented in the previous war. We improve them until now we are able to literally blow up our own world. And now nations are developing space forces and even having plans to have bases someday on the moon. And that could all seem like conspiracy theory, except it's real. It would all seem like fiction to the people of the past, except it's real. We have bombs that, 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 that if, if we launched all of them, the world would, would fall apart as we know it. And so the cumulative impact of the sin of humanity is real. And so 
Jesus is being real with us in the book of Revelation, saying we need to call people to turn to the Lord. And we, as his people, we better have our faces turned to the Lord. And others, may they turn to the Lord while there is still time. So in a very difficult way for us to hear, this is a book of encouragement. Because we, the world will still have conquerors in world history, as we see in Seal 1. And describes that there will be people who conquer. But God will always be greater than the conquerors. As he says in Psalm 46, 9. He makes wars to cease throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields and the fire. He is the God that pushes back against evil. Even though it's going to continue in this world. And one day he will make it to cease. Psalm 46, 9. The sword of seal 2 is real. And has happened and will happen uh, throughout history. Blood will be shed. There will be violence, sadly, in homes. That's where, in America, where most violence happens is in the home. That's where most blood is shed, sadly. There's blood in the streets, and sadly, there's blood in the schools and in workplaces. Recent shootings in schools or a a bank. But then God is saying, you will see these things, but do not give up, do not fear. Believe and share the good news, even in a world where the blood is shed like that. That one day... According to to the word of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 2, 4, he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We are declaring this kind of good news, that that is God's eventual victorious end. And we are trying to live as people like that in the midst of it who, who revoke violence, who turn against it in our homes, our communities, our nations. And, and we stand for his future vision of peace because that's what we'll have one day. And as we see in seal 3, death will continue for now. Food prices in some nations in some times of crisis will, will scream high, too high, 15 times higher than what families could afford. That's the historical price here for wheat or for barley. But we will remember, even as these things happen, that that God is the great shepherd of Psalm 23 who wants to lead his sheep to green pastures. He's the one who says, pray for your daily bread and don't worry about where it's going to come from. He's the one who tells us, hey, you don't survive on bread alone anyway, but on the word of the Lord And yes, in history, there will be some, there have been some, there are some, and there will be some who will try to starve out Christians physically, but Christians will always feast on on the Lord's blood and His body, and no matter if they take our physical food or they price us out of it, and this has happened in parts of the world, we always have the feast of the supper of the Lamb to look forward to it. We will feast on. And yes, the pale horse of death and Hades will come as we see in Seal 4. It has come and it's coming and it will come. And it will bring diseases. Some that nations will even manufacture in laboratories. That's not conspiracy either. Right? We've done that and used biological warfare now for many decades. But we'll see diseases and starvation. We'll see wild acting beasts. We see beasts that that look like humans that kill children in elementary schools as if these children made in the image of God are just shooting targets instead of human souls. We see diseases as if natural diseases weren't bad enough. We see 
humans tinkering with diseases to think about how we could weaponize them. We see superpowers, so-called superpowers, using starvation as military tactics. And then we even see sometimes starvation happen because of our own economic policies or political battles. But the church in the midst of all of that, in a world who acts like that to one another, needs to hear these hard words and remember that we are called to serve the least of these. All that are suffering, all that don't have food, all that are lonely, all that are imprisoned, all that need clothing. Jesus taught us to love them in Matthew 25. That's the best and right way to live. That's how God loves us. And in so doing, as we serve the least of these, we are serving him. We seek to serve the deepest in need, even as we live in a world that seems to be falling apart. Now the four horses are all out, and there's still more. We see the fifth seal. We see the picture of souls killed for sharing the word of God like John's own brother James had been killed, or Peter, who had been crucified upside down according to church history, or Stephen, that that first martyr stoned to death, or those in recent years who were killed by ISIS, or those in an Amish school, children, Amish children gunned down by a gunman, or those shot at a man, Mother Emanuel Church killed by racist killer Dylan Roof. The blood of the martyrs will cry out. But the Lord tells those martyrs as he hears their voice that they are to rest in his plan. He covers them and tells them to rest. He's got it covered. He's got it covered. And yeah, there'll be more, actually, that will have to suffer and die before history ends. And this is a hard word, but history shows us it's also the honest truth. The people of God humbly march on and say, though you kill us, yet will we love you. This is what we've believed from the very beginning. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not maybe, or might. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 1 Peter 4, 14 through 16 says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Don't use Revelation as a book to say, How and when is God going to have us escape by suffering? But take on the mantle that has been passed down to us by the early church and through the scriptures that we will go into this world and serve Christ and represent him no matter what suffering may come. We are willing to for the name of Christ because he said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we really are that, uh, the citizens of that kingdom, right? If we're the citizens of that kingdom now and will be in heaven one day, then, then, then we need to be willing to live for it now.
the brother of Jesus said it this way in James 1, starting with verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Say it again, what he said, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Paul said it this way in Romans 5, starting with verse 3, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we persevere. And that brings hope as God builds our character. And we see even as we persevere, even as we witness and share of his love and seek to love others as he has loved us, the world is not going to get better on its own. And we see the cumulative effect in seal six, that the very definitions of human understanding and human existence are falling apart. The foundations of understanding truth and identity, the very boundaries of the the world, the images we're given here are extreme and it just seems that everything is starting to crumble or fall apart. As humans just build upon the mistakes of their thinking over and over again and we assume that our knowledge and our personal experience is the center of the universe, we will find out eventually that if we are at the center of the universe, we don't have the ability or the gravity to keep everything where it needs to be. God is the one that needs to be at the center and keep everything where it needs to be. Our selfish human spirit, even all of our good-thinking people together, do not have enough gravitational weight to keep things held together. Things will fall apart. But the church, in the midst of this all, must believe and demonstrate the truth that even as humans act like that, that nothing can separate Christ from his people. Nothing. Neither in heaven or on earth, can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing, the scriptures say, can take us out of his hand. God will not forsake his people. So we're living this, we're demonstrating this, we're calling others to come to his love that cannot be defeated. He will not be mocked. He loves and he longs to rescue all who would turn to him. But if you want to be the center of your own universe or you want to be part of a humanity that thinks it, it has all the right definitions and just its authenticity is enough without God's authority, if you think that's going to work, God will say, see how that goes for you. But if you would turn to him and his love for you, that's why he created you that's why he wants relationship with you he gave a son for you if you would turn to him that though the whole world would fall apart nothing nothing could keep you from him and this is why he warns us right because he loves us he's telling us that the brokenness will be allowed but he's also telling us the evil will be dealt with No one will escape the wrath of the holy, loving Lamb of God. 
His love and justice will be too pure and good for those who have rejected him. It will be so pure and good that they cannot tolerate his light. They will want to hide under rocks and in caves, but they will not hide. God will not be mocked. God will not be defeated. His love, his light, his truth will stand. So it says, who can stand? Chapter 6 says, who can stand in these times? these unleashed seals. And Revelation simply, if you, if you just look at it, only those who are the Lamb's people, only the Lamb's people can stand like the Lamb stands. And so that's why he shared this, because he's preparing us. He's calling us to trust in him, to represent him, to walk in his ways of truth, love, justice, goodness, and mercy. And in him we will stand, though the world falls apart. We will stand and we will witness and we will call others to his love. We will stand. We will stand. Oh Lord, you are the lamb that is standing. Though you were slain, yet you live. It is your plan that we see here. Would you please cause us to remember what you want us to remember here? Cause us to be convicted of what we need to be and encouraged where we need to be. Lead us to be your people, your representatives here on earth, your priests, clinging to you, following you, no matter what may come, Lord. Strengthen us, humble us, deepen us, fill us with true hope. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, some next steps is I, I simply want you to think about applying Revelation. Revelation is often not thought of by Christians as a practical book, but as a, as a book filled with all kinds of trivia and codes and stuff. But I want you to think of it as a practical book. How did you apply last week's teaching? How did it encourage you or correct you or challenge you to to live more for God in the present? And how would you apply this week's teaching? Right? How did it impact you and you want to apply it to honor God or represent God? And then I, I, the other next step, I want you to think about reading this book. Maybe reading it a chapter at a time. Maybe then listening to it. Maybe listening to it in one setting. Maybe reading it out loud in one setting. But experience this. This is God's word and we need it because we need to stand for him no matter what comes and he's going to be the one that helps us to do that. Thanks be to God for his word. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook, or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org uh, to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.